Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rachel, what do you think the number one question for you is? was? Uh, uh, it's the same as the number one question every time Brad Goreski is here. God. How is your relationship with Rachel? How is your relationship with Brad? Beth C wants to know, is it uncomfortable to see him at events when, you, when you're out, or is, is, is it all past? I don't see him. I don't see him. You don't see him? No. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Welcome to Leo season, guys. That really doesn't mean anything to me. I'm like a slightly astrological bitch and, you know, just dip a toe into the spiritual arts. You know, occasionally I will manifest things under a moon if I'm in the mood to do so. But, you know, I'm not too, too deep in it to it. So like I said, I don't really know what Leo season means, but... It appears and it feels like personally, Leo season 2021 for me has been a delightful mix of chaos and negativity and I'm enjoying it. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm enjoying the ride. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk about everything, you guys. Um, I guess we got to start with our our girl of the week. And of course, that is uh, Jen Shaw. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Woo, girl. She is in T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Did I spell that right? I think I did. (laughs) So in the past few, several weeks, there have been very few updates when it comes to Jen Shaw. It seems like somebody finally got it in her head to be like, hey, girl, um, maybe stop posting on your Instagram stories pictures of you with hashtag free Jen Shaw with acons locked up 
you know, as the theme music for it. Like, maybe we should stop that. It's not that great. Um, I feel like the last major thing we heard was the lawyers getting together to come up with all their excuses and reasonings for why this trial might be a mistrial, my, you know, poking holes in situations such as my favorite excuse, which was that when they went to apprehend Miss Shaw, she, um was complaining about the fact that her eyes were dry, her contacts were drying her eyes. And so she could not read the Miranda rights, something that I found very confusing because you guys, I'm, I mean, (laughs) I, I don't even want to say this because I don't want to put bad juju in my life, but I just feel like I know that I'm not built for jail. And so I try not to do things that are going to land me there. You know, Um, I know that I'm going to be one of those people from like those scared straight, like they send the bad teens to Maury to go to go to jail. Like I'm the one who's crying before they even get the jumpsuit on. I want to leave mom. Mom, where's my mom? You know, that's me. I know that I'm not built for it. So um, the audacity with which she was just like acting like she's so I would be so scared right now. Like if I were her, if there was even the hint of me having the cold metal of a handcuff on my on my wrist, certainly not my ankle, I would immediately pass out and you would need medical assistance. But anyway, um, this is what's happening now. So shit has gone from worse to worser for Miss Shaw. Um, the dry contact excuse did not work. Okay. Uh, the feds are saying, Hey girl, not only are you fucked, you are fucked, fucked. And we've given you a title and that is tier a tier a. So let's talk about it. So this is, I'm looking at TMZ. It's saying that essentially Jen knew what she was doing she, for those of you who don't know, there have been several people who've been arrested and tried and convicted and are currently in jail for similar things that Jen has been doing. So not only is like she guilty, she's extra, extra guilty, tier A level guilty, because even knowing that these people had gotten arrested for similar things, Jen and Stewart, who is also labeled as a tier A felon uh, or whatever, um, knowingly continued these this like shady illegal business deals knowing that other people had gotten in trouble for this so there are six people who are being classified as tier a in terms of this federal lawsuit so two of them have been sentenced to 60 and 70 months respectively um for this case and they were more senior participants in the you know the, the criminal activity, much like Jen. So the U.S. attorney says that the tier A suspects were responsible for orchestrating the broader scheme and that Shaw specifically obtained leads directly from lead sources and provided them to, among others, coaching sales floors operated in uh, Utah and Nevada. Like I said, Stewart's also part of this. And so they're saying that Stewart and Jen operated a sales floor, like a telemarketing scheme, fraud, scam sales floor in Manhattan. 
um, and that they like outsourced those leads uh, to other scheming, frauding, scamming sales floors, both in Utah and Nevada. This is what I was wondering. Why was she getting arrested in New York? Why was the Manhattan DA coming on for things that may have happened in elsewhere? But apparently they very much had a dedicated space in Manhattan, which is why, ooh, the FDNA, no, not the FDNA, not the FDNY, the, um, what do you call it? The federal, the whatever, the feds in New York, they came a knocking. Okay. Jen's attorney did um, issue a statement that says the reality is, uh, pun intended, the reality is she's totally innocent. The lawyer calls the government's latest claim absurd and says that it comes after nearly a decade long investigation. Um, and that this is like, piggybacking off of a related trial that actually Jen, her name wasn't mentioned and that she's not involved in. So basically they saying that this is just like made up shit and that it's totally unsupported by any sort of real evidence. Okay. Okay. I, I, you listen, I understand that like lawyers have a job and lawyers jobs are to protect their clients, but, um, I just feel like things are getting really petty and it feels like Jen has found like the pettiest lawyers who are just like, fuck you, federal investigation investigators. Like y'all are some liars. Y'all are some haters and y'all are just doing this shit to keep a bad bitch down. And (laughs) it's laughable to me because uh, Jen's going to jail. You guys, like, I don't really see how she's not going to go to jail. If the other two people who, um, had been convicted, had similar situation, had been convicted for similar things, got five and what, six and so many months. <laughs> How many? It, let me, let me, I'm just going to do my dumb bitch math here. Okay. So five to 12 is 60, right? So another 12 years, 12 months would be 72 months. So we're talking six years, six and a half years, right? Okay. Whew. Whew, okay. Did it. Um, so yeah, I I just like she, <laughs> it stresses me out, and I don't even know this woman. And I, you guys, I think the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City trailer is coming soon, like within the next couple of weeks, if my if my sources are correct. So I am living, I'm living for this, and I am just living to see how Jen represents herself on season two this is going to be so much fun for us you guys this is a mistake this is a a real bad mistake on jen's part but you know what her mistake is our is our um adventure if you will other question before we get to the next topic what like what about the coach shaw of it all you guys what about that coach used to be a lawyer right so i just feel like it's giving me shades of Phaedra and Apollo. I just, you know, if we're going to ask the questions of our Bravo partners, you know, Erica and Tom, it, it's not an unfair to question to ask, you know, what, what, what did, what did coach know? What did coach know? I just have so many questions. I, I, do we think that coach is going to divorce her? Do we think that he, he's going to stand by his woman? Do we think that he is going to, you know, his hands are dirty. I would hate for that to be true, but you know, 
if we're going to ask the questions of the women of what did they know of their husband's dirty deeds, and we have to be fair and ask, what did Coach Shaw know? And I feel like he's really been um, flying under the radar here real in a real, real way. And it kind of seems like given how flashy Jen was, it's hard to say like, is this coming from somewhere? But then again, it's like the other hand, maybe he can fly under the radar because he is a coach and he is their whole storyline is how he is gone so much and he can't be an active participant in his own marriage. So mm, I don't know guys, but I just have, you know, a third of an eye just very quickly looking at coach Shaw. Um, but you know, the other one and two thirds eyes are really like girl, Jen, honey, not great. Not great. Oh, you guys know what else I'm pissed off about? It was just announced that Whitney Houston was going to be getting a, a there's going to be like some sort of hologram, deep fake concert that she's going to be. Well, uh, you know, I can't even say that she is going to be doing, but her estate announced an evening with Whitney, the Whitney Houston hologram concert. It's a new residency at Harrah's Las Vegas, which will begin in the fall um the concert will feature the virtual image and voice of whitney backed by a live four-piece band and background singers and dancers this has been um talked about for the last couple years and i was just like "Mm, i don't think this is ever going to come to fruition so i was deeply upset to find out that it actually is going to be happening. I just feel like this is so, so gross. So there are two demons in that family, I believe. One of them is Pat Houston, Houston, which is uh, Whitney's uh, sister-in-law. And the other one is her mama. Let's be real. It's her mama. Um, But Pat Houston seems to be the um, leader of this grift of a woman who just deserves to rest in peace, if we will. Um, so basically they are going to, this is like a part of a whole rollout. So they're going to have the Harris hologram tour, if you can call it that, um, an album of unreleased tracks and also a musical. Uh, of course, people have been questioning the ethics of this and Pat Houston says allegedly that Whitney would have appreciated that. And that in 2011, she and uh, Whitney talked about the idea of an intimate unplugged concert tour. Now she goes on to say, well, Whitney is no longer with us. Her voice and legacy will live on with us forever. Now, when you guys discussed the idea of an intimate unplugged concert tour, did she discuss the fact that she would not be alive during that time and that she wanted a hologram to replace her because I feel like she probably was talking about doing it on her own. So when somebody dies and years ago they said, oh, they wanted to do music, live music, a concert or a tour or whatever, um, Pat, (laughs) there's, there's a vital element of that missing and that is the singer. The singer. So I just feel like, once again, this is just another cash grab. I don't understand why this, the money that could be coming in from Whitney, Whitney's estate, 
why is that not enough for them? Like, can you guys not get your own job? Like, why do we have to, y'all could be sitting pretty in like a very cute, all of y'all could have like really nice townhouses in the metro Atlanta area and like not have to worry about a thing for the rest of your lives. Like you guys could be living real cute. You guys could be like Costco trips every week. I get a nice like lease on a nice little BMW every two years. Like I don't understand why that isn't enough for them. This just feels like so ick to me. I don't like it. I don't know Whitney, obviously, but I feel like these people don't either. <laughs> so, so where do we go with that? I just, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I I know that like a lot of Whitney fans have a lot of like, they feel like. Whitney was a very grounded, down-to-earth person, and so they feel like they knew Nippy, you know, the Nippy Whitney. Um, But I feel confident in saying that, like, I just don't think that this is what Whitney had in mind when she said she wanted to do a concert. Like, pretty sure she thought she was going to be alive doing it. And also, I feel like the hologram aspect is just, like, I just don't think that Whitney would want to do this. I think this is really gross and weird and I feel like her family is constantly convincing us that whatever cash grab like oh Whitney would have loved that and I don't think that's true I don't think it's true but gross moving on how do we feel about Rachel Zell because I still have that like bit of nostalgia within me that just like I just occasionally I feel like I want to be wrapped in the warm embrace of like a vintage Chanel coat that she found in like a bunch of chunky jewelry all over my arms, a lot of bangle bracelets, there's a ring on every finger. I just like, I love, I just, I don't know why I have just like a particular fondness for the Rachel Zoe fashion era and particularly the Rachel Zoe project. And thank God for her, for giving us Brad Gureski, you know? Um, you know, and Taylor, Taylor and that blonde hair and, and the side part and the chunk of, uh, you know, white blonde hair in front of her face. And she's always just like, Ugh, you know, just like angsty teen. Um, I, I loved that show. So Rachel was actually on Watch What Happens Live with Mindy Kaling a few days ago. And if you guys remember, if you watched the Rachel Zoe Project, uh, Season one, Taylor leaves. Season two, I think pretty quickly, we find out that Brad left. And Rachel on the show was always pretty vague about why they left. Um, And we never really got a full answer. I believe, I actually just watched a couple of episodes several months ago where Brad leaves. And basically what they say is that it seems like there was a lot of... um, backhanded things happening that Brad was saying that he wasn't trying to go out for the spotlight. And then as soon as he quit, he was like on every red carpet, you know, opening of the, an envelope situation. And also I think there had been some rumors about uh, Brad trying to poach clients from Rachel and bring over to his own uh, individual situation, which I, you know, I would imagine would be a full on uh, no, no, in the fashion world, in the stylist world, right? Um, Or really in any world. Like, why would you try to take clients from the person who put you on, right? Usually, that's pretty fucked up. So, um, Andy asked the question of, do they still speak to each other? 
And she was being super vague. She says that they don't talk to one another, that they, you know, they don't see each other. And so Mindy Kaling gets all excited and was like, I want to know what happened. Like, let's spill the tea, girl. What's what's going on? Like, is it a professional thing? And, and the only thing that Rachel said is that people should be professional, which to me points to a confirmation that he did try to steal um, I'm trying to think of who it was. Let me pause because I know the answer to this and it's going to bother me. Okay, so it seems like that uh, those clients may have been Jessica Alba and Demi Moore. Um, there was like a thing where Jessica Alba decided to... Apparently she was getting um, Rachel's friends telling her like, hey, you need to stop working with Brad. So she quit or she dumped or fired Brad, but then didn't go back to Rachel. And it was like a whole messy thing. But it seems like throughout this 10 year rift, the two things that seem to be an issue for Rachel are um, the fact that Brad got his own show right after leaving Rachel. And there was a New York Times article. And according to her, she had told him excuse me, he had told her the reason for him wanting to leave working with her was because he wanted to step away from the fashion world and he didn't do that and she got pissed. So throughout all the years and from what I'm reading, it seems like Brad is trying to uh, keep it cute and say that his door is always open. He always, you know, is, wants to communicate with her when she's ready, but it seems like she does not feel the same way. So it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do find this all very interesting. I love just like inconsequential drama, right? Like who gives a fuck about any of this? But like, also, please tell me more, you know? And finally, I want to talk about an announcement that was made on Thursday um, that I, ooh, am something was like, girl, hop on, hop on this bandwagon. So y'all, I don't really talk about VH1 shows I tend not to watch them. Um, you know, your love and hip hop, your basketball wives. There's something that's just, it's just not really on my radar. I'm not sure why. I, I just have avoided the VH1 universe when it comes to reality shows in the past few years. Like in the beginning, oh, bitch, catch me at the Flavor of Love premiere. I'm the first one there. But it, it's, it's just VH1 has really hit a lull for me. But they girl. They're coming back, you guys. They have announced that they are going to revive the surreal life uh, where Hollywood's just saddest characters come to live together and uh, just cause mayhem. So who are we going to be having for the return? It is going to be August Alsina, um, who, if that name sounds familiar to you um, of the Caucasian persuasion, um, that is Entanglement. The one, August Alsina is the one that um, Jada Pinkett Smith was in an entanglement with, you know? Okay. Um, CJ Perry, honestly, zero clue who that is. <laughs> this is, oh, she's a WWE. Oh, she's a diva. She was on Total Divas. Okay. Okay. That's cute for you. Um, Dennis Rodman. Ever heard of him? Uh, Frankie Munez. Uh, Kim Coles. Whew. Kim Coles of... Um, living single fame um we also have manny mua the youtuber makeup 
guy and Stormy Stormy Daniels. Um, also, this is going to feature Tamar Braxton. I'm not sure why she wasn't listed in this here, but her picture is there and her name is listed on the uh, headline. Um, this is really going to be a disaster. Um, I cannot wait. And I'm here for it. I'm really, really here for it. Also, Cribs is coming back, you guys. Cribs is going to be coming back. I'm really excited about that. Who's on the lineup is going to be, so far, Snooki, Ashley and Evan Ross Simpson. Simpson Ross? Ross Simpson? Okay. Jojo Siwa? <laughs> Martha Stewart, Big Sean, Tinashe, Marseille Martin, and Rick Ross. I am very excited. Thank you to the people at VH1 for bringing back very depressing and also exciting uh, content. I'm, I'm very, very here for it. You guys, I think I forgot to suggest this, but if you guys are in need of an hour-long drama, serial, mini-series, what have you, I would suggest watching White Lotus. It's only two episodes in, or maybe three episodes by the time you listen to this, but I watched the first two episodes, and I really, really liked it, you guys. I thought it is, first of all, star-studded. You have Jennifer Coolidge, Steve Zahn. I'm acting like I'm getting paid for this, and I'm not. <laughs> but I think it's really great. It's got Sydney Sweeney, um, and it's got uh, most of a penis and all of somebody's balls right in the first episode. So if that isn't going to get you, um, you know, I don't know what will. I don't know what else to say. But I'm really liking it. I'm not really a person who is for like an hour long drama, dark comedy, that sort of vibe. It's not. It's something that like as I get older, I'm moving more into liking. But you guys, I haven't seen like a shocking number of those very impactful serials. And I'll give you like a, a list of five if you promise not to message me or DM me and be like, you have to watch this. Okay. Because I, I know, I know that these are prestige television shows and I know that like they brought so much to the culture, but I just, I like, I can't be bothered. Okay. So here's my top five. And I know for somebody who has a pop culture podcast and seems to be an encyclopedia, uh, you would think that I would know these things, but I don't. So, um, Grey's Anatomy. No. Uh, Sopranos? Not a clue. Dexter? Who? Lost? Couldn't tell you. Um, what's another big one that you guys are going to be pissed off about? Um, The Wire. I've not seen The Wire. I feel like there's another one that I could really make you mad about. Uh, I did see How to Get Away with Murder, but then I fell off after, like, the four, the fourth season. I just, like, couldn't get down for it. But, yeah, I, I don't, I haven't seen any of those, uh, it's it's beyond my scope, but I'm really liking White Lotus. Um, before we get into the Love After Lockup recap, I just, you know, something came across my desk, if you will, digitally. And I, listen, it's JLo's birthday, JLo's birthday weekend, a national holiday. Let's get loud, everybody. Everybody, let's get loud. Um, Jen and Ben, Benifer 2.0. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck took to a yacht for Jennifer's 52nd birthday and ooh, I'm living. I, if you guys don't follow me on Instagram, I will tell you this or Twitter. Here's how I know, you know, the, the main topic conversation is, are they faking it? Right? 
is this real? Is this PR giving the people what they want? People are living for it and they're just going with it. Here's the thing. I don't care. (laughs) I'm having so much fun with this couple and I don't know why. It's just the perfect level of chaos out of Ben. You know, I love... You know, in my own personal life, the idea of having that man that you wasted several years of your life with come back again and really reinvest in the relationship because you deserve it. And, you know, that's sick. And that's something that I need to talk to somebody about. And I get it. I get it. But acknowledgement is the first step. Um, I think they're having fun and I I don't understand why people don't want to have fun with it. This isn't like a Camila Cabello and Shawn Mendes thing where it's just like, why are we seeing you guys walking around with unkempt hair, like in pajamas? What What is happening here? You guys don't fuck. Come on. Like, like quit playing in my face. These people be fucking, okay? And I don't care what you say. Like, even if this is fake, they're still fucking. I know that. I know that in my heart to be true, you know? I know it. Um, So I like it. I'm having fun. I, you know, sometimes you just got to recycle a man. And I really don't have a problem with that. Is this going to end up being the love of their lives? I mean, I hope so, but probably not. But, you know, why don't we all just go on this journey with them? We, as a society, as pop culture lovers, needed a couple like this to just look at and be like, what's happening there? What's going on there? Now, I have to shout out to um, Casey Sadange, who has had a running theory um, that I think she may be onto something here. So she, disclaimer, fully believes in Benefer. Um, with that said, she also believes that there is, um, some strategery being taken place and that this is, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the Jenny from the Block track. Of course, we know that Ben and Jen were together at this time and that he was in the video. Remember the, they're on the yacht paparazzi are taking these long shots he's touching her butt he's kissing her butt she's looking gorgeous he's just like the doting boyfriend and she's just like rich rich everybody rich right so a lot of people are pointing you know Casey basically brought up a great point of a lot of the things that we have been seeing a lot of the photos that we've been seeing of them do mimic moments from that video so while she believes that the relationship is real she also believes that there may be a jenny from the block 20th anniversary music video situation happening here and given that we saw them on that yacht and he is literally doing the same hand on the ass pose as she is like spread out looking like a tanned goddess um you know, I think she may be onto something. I really think she may be onto something and I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for it. All right. With that, you guys, we are, the rest of the episode is going to be a recap of Love After Lockup. If you guys are interested in the schedule this week, here's the deal. I don't know where I'm going to be fitting Married at First Sight in, in terms of my schedule. Um, because I have such a good schedule already, I don't know what's going to happen. However, 
this week, um, there is going to be no new episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Potomac is another show that I really would like to recap, but I just, in terms of the schedule, it makes it really difficult because you know, the, the idea that I could like watch a show on Sunday, uh, excuse me, Bravo, please give me the screeners. The idea that I could watch a show on Sunday and then have that recap up for um, Monday's episode is just like, it's not feasible. But because Beverly Hills is off this week, I think Wednesday I'm going to be doing a Potomac and Real Housewives of New York episode. And then Friday, instead of that Beverly or Bravo Housewives episode normally is, I'm going to be doing Married at First Sight. What I'm going to be doing next week, I don't know. <laughs> but that's where we are for this week. Okay. Talk to you guys later, or see you in the Love After Lockup recap. Okay, bye. Let's think about Rachel. I love her, man. You do? Yeah. I hope you do. I hope you do. I do. I'm serious. I do. I ain't going nowhere. Get together and do right. She helps me, man. Yeah, that's what you need. She helps me. I think me. she's going to be the one to do it, son. You know? I want to be around. You know? I left twice. I mean... But that was on me, though. I did that, you know? I had ways out. I didn't take them. I didn't want to take them. It is what it is now. You're going to make it right with your mom. I uh, know. I know. I wouldn't say that I took my freedom for granted. I just didn't value my freedom. My freedom had very low value on it. I didn't have nothing. I didn't come from nothing. So missing, not having it, Okay, you guys. Let's get into this week's Love After Lockup. I think a pretty solid episode. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. I, I, no edits. Really no, well, no. One edit, which would be, get rid of Brittany and Ray. I, I just, ugh, ugh. <laughs> Let's talk about them first, since there really was not a whole lot to talk about. So, Ray is in the halfway house. Last we left him. And this week, he calls Brittany to tell her that he is going to be released from the halfway house, but he is going to be on, you know, like a home house arrest situation. And I believe they call it home confinement. He's going to have a, an ankle bracelet and he's stuck at home. So Brittany has not told her family that she is going to be the home with which Ray is um, confined in. Brittany is very excited about the prospect of having her man home. He's going to be on that home confinement for, I think, two and a half months. And she says, what woman wouldn't want their man to be on home confinement? Um, I don't know, Brittany, probably like 99% of them wouldn't. I don't I haven't. I haven't asked anybody, but I feel pretty strongly about that. So the only person, the only family member of Brittany's who knows that he is going to be there is her sister, Natalie. Natalie is like, I kind of feel like you should have just sent him to your mama's house, his mama's house. But, you know, whatever. Good luck, girl. Let's put on some makeup and head on to the halfway house. So um, Brittany's waiting there in the parking lot. And remember when she was going to be picking up Ray the first time, she drove with his family and she was feeling some type of way about that. So you can imagine that when she is under the impression that she's going to be the only person to pick up Ray and she sees his grandma pull up in the truck, she's uh, not happy. Not happy. I don't understand this. Like, I don't understand this possession. I don't understand what 
moment she thinks she's going to get out of being the only one to pick Ray up. And I think it's really weird that she is acting like it's a problem that his elderly grandmother is there. So the cliffhanger that we see for this next episode is her going over to the truck to ask his grandmother why she showed up to see her grandson. I don't know. Maybe because she's way invested in this situation than you are because that's her grandkid. I don't know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. I don't know. She's she's fucking wild. But anyway, let's move on to another lady who, oh, girl, what's not clicking here? Anissa and Jeff. Now, Jody from the reality reality TV podcast said that um, Jeff just got out like a month ago, <laughs> and so they're practically filming their scenes in real time. But um, so. Jeff, also in the halfway house, uh, Anissa heads over to the building to hang out with him. So she's under the impression that I guess he is going to get an ankle monitor and that maybe she can like check him out and then have him come back to the house. But she calls him and allegedly he says he can't go out. He can't leave because he was supposed to get his monitor on, but the appointment fell through and the person didn't come to put his monitor on. So, um, she's trying to talk to him. Like, you know, this has been so hard for me. The whole thing has been so tough. And Jeff's like, Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, but also do you have a hundred dollars? And Anissa's like, did you run out of the money that I already, that I gave you already? And she's, Jeff is like, 
well, you know, it's just everything's so expensive in here, baby. And you don't want to see me go hungry, right? And Lord, not only is she not allowed to see him, she brought, you know, clothes or whatever to for him to wear. And she he says she can't even they can't even see each other to do a handoff that she has to drop the bag off on a picnic table on the property that he will have to go pick it up. There could be no communication between them. So (laughs) she's pissed. She's obviously pissed. But, you know, she's like, when am I ever going to see you? And he's like, honestly, baby, I have no idea. Like, I love you so much. Don't be mad. But I just don't know. I don't know, babe. Sorry. Anyway, if you could like drop those things off on the table. um, Have a great day. You know, why don't you uh, go and get you some Wendy's? You know, I heard the, the five for five is a really good deal. Anyway, bye. So she has to drop his stuff off on a picnic table and shuffle off to her car. And she is like feeling some two types of ways, really. First of all, she's mad because she thought she was going to see her husband and she can't. Um, Now she's also out $100 and whatever she spent on gas money to get there. And also she's horny. Okay, she has not had sex in the past six years and she thought that day was going to be the day. So imagine now you're having to sadly go home. You're, you know, excuse me, your clitoris is probably swollen with the, you know, promise of being beaten to a pulp, just shattered right before your face. And, you know. I'm sorry, Anissa. It, only at this point does she say, I think my friend Kyle may, be, may have been onto something when he said that Jeff is only in my life to take advantage of me. You think? Okay. Glad you've joined us, Anissa. Good luck. Good luck with that. Well, let us know. Let us know what's going on. Um, let's move on to Stan and Lisa, our golden <laughs> couple. <laughs> so last week... Stan dipped a little bit too much into the Lambrusco and, you know, was feeling himself, feeling real pussy and talking with his whole bird chest to Lisa about how she should just abandon her child, her entire life, her family members for him so she can be laid up in the guest bedroom and... uh, You know, just just ring the bell, Stan, when you're ready to get out of that straitjacket of yours. So after Stan basically told her that she was a bad mother, but also a mother that should leave her family and her kids in the dust for him. I don't know how you could be two things at once. And her decision to go and see her kid is, uh, you know, a decision that she's having to make because, you know, if she had been a better mother earlier on, her child wouldn't be calling her and needing things you know, God, God forbid a 22 year old still need his mother for emotional support. So, um, that's how sociopaths are made, Stan. Maybe you should look into your family history about that one. Anyway. Um, so Lisa decides to get a hotel room. So the first thing we see is just a matted, tattered up wig, which is a real, uh, you know, symbol of their relationship on the end of the bed at the foot of the bed. And, Lisa's in a new hotel room and she's over it. And she's like, 
I don't even have the words for what happened last night. And then she starts to get emotional and says, you know, Stan said I was a shitty mom and I was, but I'm trying to be a better person and figure it all out now. I I feel for her. Lisa's not dumb. Okay. She is not stupid. She is seemingly emotionally intelligent. She is, you know, Stan is a diabolical demon man. Okay. And he knew exactly what he was doing, finding a a woman who was in jail because he thought, oh, I'm going to be plucking her out of the, the hood or whatever situation she was in and giving her this cushy life. And she's going to be my little whore, right? My little blonde whore. I mean, let's be real. That's what he was thinking. So I I just hate this man. Meanwhile, as she's, you know, contemplating her life and her choices and the, you know, decimation of this relationship, Stan is in his pajamas in the front yard pretending to wash his car. Like, could they have, the producers asked him to do anything else? Because there was not, not a, I didn't see one little soap sud, not a drop of water. He was just out there with one of those, not even a sponge. It was like a, I don't even know what those things are for. Just a piece of material, just rubbing his car as if it was going to do anything. But anyway, he's outside to set up this whole scene of having a conversation with his friend, Dash. Dash, who pulls up in a red convertible and in the middle, what looks like winter because they're wearing winter clothes. Um, and in a Blue Lives Matter hat. <laughs> Could they have not blurred that? Honestly. Um trigger warning for a blue lives matter hat something at all but dash is like you know not that there was a whole lot of uh competition here but dash is a little bit more reasonable in terms of a woman's needs or where her head or just you know where her head might be at than stan is so stan tells him oh you know basically i just told her she was a bad mother and you know none of this things would have been happening if it wasn't for her and dash is like do you think that that's really something that a woman who just got out of jail and lost all that time with her kids wants to hear fair question dash fair question so stan's like yeah i guess i gotta apologize or whatever and then then we see lisa she goes to the salon i guess her friend in on the inside Haley is a salon person <laughs> hairstylist <laughs> um so lisa goes to get her hair done now i don't have caucasian hair and so i don't really know what you guys do in terms of main i mean maintenance maintenance yes i get it but in terms of like the special things like hair dyeing and uh, extensions in this case, they're a blind spot for me, but I feel like I know enough about extensions to know that you need um, like long enough hair to 
disguise the beads or the glue or the track or whatever. That I am sure of. So when we see Lisa, who is rocking a prison cut for all intents and purposes, not to say that you can't get your hair done in prison, but we're dealing with a woman who had her hair ripped out and then they just cut out, you know, whatever to make the length right. So this was like a, a rescue cut, not like, you know, she has very short hair, <laughs> like maybe an inch and a half, maybe two inches at the longest length. I know that you have to have hair longer than that to disguise the little beads that are attaching to your hair. And also, isn't it much easier if, well, maybe with the beads, you do need like hair hanging. Okay, I get that. It's not like a, she wasn't doing a, a sew a cornrow and then sew it in, which seems like maybe what she should have done. It would have had it look a little bit more natural. But anyway, she is just, just tossing beads and extensions any which way <laughs> into that poor woman's hair. And I just feel like, oh Lord, she is about to look busted. And she did. She basically looked like a totally hair Barbie. And I, I'm, it's hard for me to even say that because as a, a Barbie child, um, that was my favorite Barbie, but let's be real here. Like her hair looked like, like Google total hair, totally hair Barbie and tell me that that's not what her hair looks like. She ended up looking like, like Cindy Lauper. Like she was trying to do a white girl dread, but not quite. It was like a half-hearted attempt at a already half-hearted um, exercise. Um, it, I just don't know why she let her friend do that. <laughs> because now, what we're, like we've been seeing, she's going to have to walk around with a big ass, wide Teresa Judice uh, headband to hide all the, where the extensions begin. So... Okay, I mean, I guess you got free free hair care, but at what cost? You know, at what cost? Also, I just feel like that's a lot of stress on your hair when it's very short. I don't know, girl. But anyway, she looked a hot mess. That's all that matters. Um, So Stan, at this point, is like, I gotta get my girl back. So they decide to meet up for dinner. And Lisa, we're meeting a brand new bitch. She's got her hair... She's got somebody's hair and, um, she is like, listen, we're going to be on my terms. Now she doesn't tell Stan that this is something that it's just a, a little secret between us. Right. But she's feeling some type of way. She's standing her ground and saying what you did was really messed up. Why did you talk to me like a dog and what are you going to do to change it? So, Stan, grown-ass man, is like, well, you know, I was just so excited about your release the day before, and I didn't really get much sleep, and then, you know, next time, I'll, I just know, like, next time I'm not gonna drive 500 miles to go see you, and be cranky, and be in pain, and he's blaming his whole lash out, and calling her a bad mother, <laughs> on his tiredness on the fact that he didn't get a nap and a proper night's sleep. Now, granted, you know, at that age, every hour counts, I would imagine. But, sir, that's the best thing. You, you've had all this time to to think about what, how you were going to apologize. And the best thing you could come up with is, uh, I was sleepy. I'm baby. Okay. 
So even though Lisa hears that, she clearly has to, like, steal herself and be like, okay, I'm just gonna, this is bullshit, but I'm just gonna keep chugging along here. So she tells um, Stan, like, hey, normally I would have told you to fuck off and take a left at Kiss My Ass Highway or whatever she said, but she trusts him. And then she says, well, excuse me. Stan asks her where she went the night before. And she says, uh, I was at a hotel. I took my happy ass to a hotel. And by the way, you're going to reimburse me for what I paid for that. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. And then he takes his wrinkled, withered little hand, probably sweaty, puts it in hers and whispers he goes like back into full mr smithers mode like i I think he's trying to look romantic at her but he also looks like he's about to tell putin that he just killed his whole family you know and that he's about to push the button for the big one you know so he looks in her eyes terrifying and says whispers rather i love you and i want to be with you and get to know you really good Imagine a 65-year-old man taking your hand and looking at you and says, I love you and I want to be with you and I want to get to know you real good. I mean, the chills? The chills. (laughs) Oh, she just made a deal with the devil. Oh, I gotta shake this one off. Lisa looks at him and says, you're gonna have to be in my world a little bit. It can't just be all about you. And he's like, sure, like... Yeah, I, you know, I hear you. Let's, let's talk about this in a more comfortable setting. You know, like, maybe we should just go home and, and cuddle a bit. And we'll talk all about how this is going to be your world now and not just mine. Let's do that and just cuddle and just talk and cuddle in a comfortable setting. Right? What a men, what is their problem? Do you think that she knows that you're not trying to fuck? Do you you think that you're honestly tricking her? (laughs) Now, granted, joke's on us because she is going to go back home with him. But also, it's like, do you honestly think that this is working? Truly. Ugh, yuck. Yuck. So, let's move on to Nicole and Deontay. Oh, God. So, last we saw Nicole, she was at the hair store. (laughs) Why can't, why do I not know the word? (laughs) For a salon. Why is this such a, a blind spot for me? At the hair store. Kara. Jesus. Nicole's at the salon because she just got her hair done. And she's still on the phone with her ex-girlfriend from the clink, Tia, trying to get her to link up because they're about to go out that night. As she's on the phone, Deontay walks in because he just did a bunch of shopping for Nicole and got some dresses so he has somebody send the dresses back to Nicole so she can try them on so she goes out in this like fake I'm assuming Hervé Leger kind of bandage dress in red she's got her blonde hair and you know of course Deontay's like like this man is 33 years old and he truly (laughs) acts like a virgin in like a Judd Apatow movie. Like it's wild to me how immature he is about sex. Like it's so weird. Um, But anyway, he like can't keep his 
tongue out of his mouth and um they're gonna go out for drinks now this is going to be nicole's first time legally going out to the bar and drinking because she's been in jail since she was 18 and now she's 23 um, so she goes out with her friend Aubrey, who was at the salon with her, Deontay, and then Deontay brings his friend, Derek. Derek is the one who we saw in the beginning of the first, like, maybe one or two episodes where he is, you know, the voice of reason saying, sir, why are you spending so much money about on a woman who probably is just using you and does not like you? Like, this is really stupid. I don't trust her and I don't trust the situation. So Derek is there to play point guard or, you know, whatever the sports equivalent of that would be. And, um, defense, there we go. Um, so then he, you know, he starts to ask Nicole a bunch of questions about, you know, what are your intentions and, you know, what's, what's going on here? So Nicole is, you know, talking a good game, kind of, not really, (laughs) because she's like, I don't care what anybody says. I love Deontay. At the end of the day, I'm going to be with him because, you know, I was, I love him. And she's like, excuse me, kind of laughing at the same time, like barely, barely, like you guys, this, this couple is so fake (laughs) that every scene of them is like cheaters, you know, like, I just feel like Joey Greco or whatever his name is going to come out at any point. Like, it's just so fake, but okay, we'll just keep doing this. Right. So she's laughing while saying that she's going to be with him and, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, whatever. And, Nicole's friend Aubrey tries to stick up for her and is like, well, you know what? When we were in jail, Nicole would talk about Deontay all the time. And Derek's like, yeah, I don't believe either one of you. So that doesn't mean anything to me, Aubrey. <laughs> so, um, Nicole starts looking around at this point and everybody realizes that she's looking clearly for somebody. So Deontay is like, what are you, who and what are you looking for? And she's like, oh, you know, just my friend. You know, she said she might come and you know, her name's Tia, and, you know, I think you may have heard of her, like, I think I mentioned her to you a couple times, like, for sure, and Derek's like, have you slept with her? Like, why are you so excited to see her? And Nicole doesn't answer the question, but does, clearly, and so Derek is like, Derek, first of all, this, this conversation is so out of pocket, (laughs) I don't know, like, you're trying to protect your friend, okay, but why you feel the need to have answers to these invasive questions is beyond me. So, notice, I'm going to say what happens, and I'm not really going to get into how ridiculous it is, but just disclaimer, I think that this is so inappropriate, (laughs) and it makes me uncomfortable, okay? So, Derek asks Nicole if Tia took the strap out on her. Why, why do you need to know the answer to that? What? So Nicole says, well, no, of course not. Because first of all, how? I mean, I'm sure, you know, find a way. Prison ingenuity. Who am I to say that this isn't possible? But Nicole's like, no, she just ate me out, Derek. Thank you. Um, They're shocked and Nicole lies because she's gauging their reaction. And she's like, but I only hooked up with her once. No, you didn't. You, you said you were in a whole relationship with her. And the only reason why y'all broke up was because she went, she got released. The only reason why. No, excuse me. 
She thought you you guys broke up because you thought she was cheating and then she got released. It, not this wasn't like a one-time hookup. You said girlfriend. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So anyway, Deontay is clearly jealous and was like, so she got to eat you out, but I, you don't even let me touch you. Okay. And then he says in a confessional that Nicole told him that the women weren't allowed to touch in prison. And so he believed her, but it's like, bro, that that's on you. (laughs) That's on you for believing that. Um, so Derek then again, very invasive, asked Nicole how many sexual partners she's had in jail. And Nicole's like, well, six, but I was only dating four of them. (laughs) Okay. And, um, Then they ask, when was the last time she slept with a woman? And she doesn't want to answer. So she then goes outside to pretend like she's offended. And then she also calls Tia to figure out whether or not she's coming. So as she's realizing that Tia's not coming, they're on the phone, Deontay follows Nicole and is like, what's going on? So they get into it and basically he's pissed. He's not pissed because she's been hooking up with women he's pissed because he's not getting to hook up with her and he's like i just don't understand how you can be physical with her and not me you said that you had all these issues with being physical i don't understand and you have no problem taking my money so i don't understand like why you can't just hook up with me like so gross so gross yuck Now, is this, like, something that we need to talk about? Like, no, 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 fuck that. Like, nothing, she can get, he can give her the world and that doesn't mean that she has to have sex with him, okay? Unless there was a, an explicit agreement. Shut up, Deontay. (laughs) I don't know. Um, so, yeah, they're still fighting and Deontay's like, listen, I just feel like you wouldn't be with me if it wasn't for the things that I give you, which is like, duh. <laughs> but she says, you know, I would have been with you anyway. You didn't have to give me anything. Even if you never gave me a dollar, I would still be with you. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you don't even want to be with him. Like in any way. Like, I'm not even talking about sex. You don't want to be around him. You're annoyed. When your mom find that found out that you guys were engaged you were like "Ugh, why would you tell her that like <laughs> you don't even like the dude but okay okay um they make up and they 
come to an agreement. Nicole's like, listen, I'll go home with you tonight. We can have a discussion about separate bedrooms, but I will go to your home at some point tonight. Can't guarantee that I'm going to stay there. I'm pretty much letting you know that I'm not going to be sleeping with you, Deontay. Not even with the bed in the bed with you, but sure, we can go go there. Okay. So she's like, you know, in a confessional. We actually hear for the first time that Nicole is saying, not that I believe it, but she is saying that she is attracted to Deontay. She says, you know, he's scrawny, but he's got some muscle to him. And, you know, I like his eyes. He's got pretty eyes and pretty teeth. So, you know, like I'll go home with him, I guess. And so they go home. And of course, she's like, you know, they're kind of cuddling on the couch and he gets her up on her lap, on his lap. And, you know, he's clearly trying to take it to the next level, but she's like, yeah, what did I tell you? Like, we're not doing this. And also I'm going to be sleeping in the spare bedroom and yada, yada, yada. So again, Deontay, just comic level, just ugh, walking back to his home, to his bedroom alone. Like, he can't even walk straight. Just the weight of all the blood rushing to his penis is just like, like, he can't even balance right. I mean, like, boy, calm down. So he bends down and he picks up a, a pillowcase with something inside. And of course, we know that what are those lumpy bumpies inside that pillowcase? Oh, Nicole Jr. Nicole Jr. is going to be uh, used tonight. I'm sure Nicole Jr. The pocket pussy was like, oh, Lord, not again. I thought I was going to get a night off real, Nicole. Thanks a lot. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Deontay is kicking production out of the room so he can have some private time with his actual girlfriend. Um, Nicole, the real Nicole, is in her room naked, basically. I mean, not naked. She's wearing like a bra and thong. Um, <laughs> just think it's funny how... She is so buttoned up with him, but every time we see her, she has no problem taking off her clothes like in front of production, but in front of Deontay, she's like, oh, no, 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 not happening. Um, so she's in her panty set, bra and panty set, and she gets a phone call from none other than Zach, her ex-boyfriend, um, the boy that she was with before she got into jail. So they're like flirting and she's you know, having to whisper and she's ducking behind the beds. I don't know what she thinks that's going to do, but she's whispering to Zach and we end their segment saying that she really feels like there's a chance that she and Deontay could be together forever, which LOL, but that she's still thinking about Tia and Zach and she just wants to see where that goes before she can really make a commitment to Deontay. So... Good luck to you. Good luck. Good luck to us all. Let's end it on Doug and Rachel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yikes. So we know that Doug has a curfew. He's not allowed after eight. He can be out from eight to five, Monday through Friday. No nights, no weekends. So, of course, we're two days out of jail and Dougie decides, or excuse me, Doug decides, that uh, we are, he's, he's going to be surprising his family. So his immediate family has no idea that he's out of jail. They think he's still in there. They have not seen him in four years. 
And so his plan, he's devised and decided that the only possible thing that he can do is to risk it all and to go to Kalamazoo, where his family is from, um, on a weekend to surprise them. This is going to be the day before Father's Day. So his father has some, I guess, has had some health complications. He's, um, you know, late stage liver issues and all of that. So it seems like he is on borrowed time at this point. Um, Fair enough that you want to see your father. However, (laughs) you're like directly going against your parole things. So he calls his parole officer and leaves a voicemail and is like, hey girl, I'm just letting you know that I'm going to go to my dad's today. Uh, See ya. (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. I feel like you can't just call somebody and tell them where you're going to be. Like if you had the freedom to do that, I feel like you probably wouldn't be on parole in the first place. You know, (laughs) she was going to be that lax about it. Then why even bother? You know, but anyway, he, Rachel's like, I really don't think this is a good idea. Like everything about this is sounds like a poor choice, Doug. Like, are you sure um, that this, like, have you learned anything in the past 10 or 11 years? Like anything at all? And his response is, yeah, it's that I do what I want to do when I want to do it. And it's like, well, no, no, that's, that's why, that's why you're in jail in the first place, Doug. Cause that's not how the world works. But anyway, okay. Um, so Rachel's also concerned because Kalamazoo is where Doug grew up. It's where he knows all the bad people in his life. It's where he knows all his former connects and she just doesn't want him in that environment anymore. So what does she do? She gets her ass in the driver's seat and drives him the two hours to Kalamazoo, of course. So Doug, I guess, has a big family and their family all lives in Kalamazoo. They're kind of like a known family or whatever, but they're also like not well off. He said they live in the poorer areas of the town, but you know, the, the reach is wide with the family. Um, so he goes over to the house. They drive to the house. He hides behind, you know, in the back seat and, uh, Rachel and Dougie, the boy, um, come out. So this is like, we're about to enter into a tale of three Dougs. Okay. We have, who I'm now going to call Doug Sr. is Doug, our Doug's, Rachel's Doug's father. Doug is our Doug. And then Dougie is going to be Doug Jr., the boy, right? So Doug comes out and Doug Sr. is so shocked, so happy to see his boy. You know, of course, the first thing he hears from his son is, hey, how are you doing, you son of a bitch? <laughs> To his own father. Okay, sure. But they seem to really like each other. Um, It seems like Doug's parents are married, but Doug and his mom have some kind of issue. So she is there, but doesn't want to leave the house. So everybody's outside. It's Doug Sr., cousins, sisters, bunch of family members, this, that, and the third. So... They're all having a good time. Doug Sr. is really, really happy to see his son. He's like, I don't know how much time I have left. And I was concerned that I would be gone before he, before Doug uh, 
got released. So this is like a really actually nice moment. You know, if you take away just the tension of knowing that he's not allowed to legally be there in the first place. (laughs) It was pretty nice for the first uh, several minutes. And then things take a very dark and confusing turn. So I only was just able to piece this together. Like, you guys, I'm not that smart. So I things just happened so quickly that I wasn't really paying the full attention that I needed to, to the whole situation. So things are all fine until, so we know that Doug Jr., Dougie, has been living with Rachel for the past few months. My question was, who was he living with before, right? So I'm assuming, I was assuming that he was living with his mother, but it turns out that he was actually living with his aunt, one of Doug's sisters. So there are two sisters there. And one of them says, oh, we're going to, I just found yesterday some letters that Doug wrote. And I think she means Dougie that he wrote, I guess, while Doug, his father was in jail. So Dougie, his reaction to those letters were like, don't bring those out. I'm going to be really upset if you take those letters out. Like, it's not funny. Like, something in the letters was very triggering to little Dougie. And he's, like, begging his aunt not to take those out. So his other aunt is trying to defend him and be like, stop, like, needling this child if he's feeling some type of way. Like, you don't need to bully him. And then his father, Doug, jail Doug, totally throws him under the bus and then he starts getting into it with his sister who was trying to defend his son against his aunt by threatening these letters by saying oh she the one so (laughs) apparently the one who was threatening to bring these letters out was the person was the aunt that Dougie was staying with prior to them going to Rachel's so I guess he, she had been trying to care for him. He had been very difficult. So she finally was just like, I'll just take him to Rachel's and fine. So Dougie's saying, oh, she's allowed to um, needle him because she was the one who helped raise him. And the other sister's like, no, she doesn't need to like bully this child because this is fucking weird. So the sister who was in the right trying to defend the son and Doug, jail Doug, get into it, and he ends up calling her a bitch and telling her to shut the fuck up, you bitch. What? <laughs> it was very strange. Very, very strange. I feel for little Dougie. I feel like this is whew, a moment where this is like, well, we have this on camera, a moment where things really went wrong, where my father defended... <laughs> <laughs> me defended somebody who was a dick to me to I mean it was I, I, oh I'm all turned around Rachel's getting upset and nervous because they're outside basically in public and he's not where he should be anyway so we certainly shouldn't be screaming and and getting into a verbal altercation in the front yard um where anybody in the neighborhood could call the cops so um We'll end the episode with that and see how that goes for Doug, Dougie, and Doug Sr. And me. And all of us, really. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. We'll be back later.